and a mouse keep running, running, and 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 running, running, Welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 298, as we're getting closer and closer to 300. That's 300, it is. And before we go into tonight's episode, where me and Clay are going to talk about a couple books, and Brandon actually is able to get his internet up and going. I guess he fed the hamster that's going on that wheel going, because me and him are going to be talking about MODOK, and then I'll be around for a couple other books as well but before we do that let me tell you where you can find us all around the intro net you can go to twitter at ws marvel comics follow us we'll follow you back 100 go with that if i don't follow you back uh message me or tell me because i get upset when i don't follow people back because i like to say that i'll follow everybody back i don't want to be a liar and I ended up going through some things and actually saw some people had slipped through the cracks today and actually spent some time making sure that was not the case. But with all of that, you could also go to our website, weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com, check out reviews, news, and previews. And then if you want to support us for what we do here on the feed and also get a bunch of other shows in return, you can go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience, where every week we have a spotlight show, a spotlight episode podcast, uh, pick two books from the current books that week. The badass is actually doing that's a level on the Patreon. If you go up to that level, you get to pick all the things that we do, including that spotlight with a poll that comes out each weekend. You get to pick the things. And this week, it looks like they ended up picking the Marvels number one, the Kurt Busiak book going with the Marvels. And then also, the whole Curse of the Man-Thing Spider-Man number one. The Steve Orlando continuing with the Man-Thing deal. I don't know what I'm saying, but if you want to listen to those two, go over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash weirdscience and get a bunch of other things as well, a bunch of Marvel stuff, DC, indie comics, manga, all that sort of thing, cartoons, movies. I could just keep going. Uh, but we're going to get into this week's show like I said, I am joined by Clay first off, which we usually do. And me and Clay are going to try to get back into the Fantastic Four. It ended up seeming like the Fantastic Four number 31 would be a good jumping back on point. It is. It's it's a good point to jump back in. I don't know if it's good, though. We'll see. We'll see what we say. And then, then we'll talk about a book that I love, Beta Ray Bill number two. And then Brandon, then me, all that stuff. We'll just get right to it uh, right about now. All right, and we're going to jump into some books here, and I'm going to be joined by Clay. Hi, Clay. Hello. Hello. And we have two books here, and we ended up deciding we're going to give the Fantastic Four another chance. And I ended up looking. I saw, okay, we're out of the King and Black nonsense, and it looked like a good way to jump back in. I even put it on without even knowing. I put it on the Patreon poll. So I thought, yeah, we'll, we'll check it out. And then you messaged me. Are we going to deal with the Fantastic Four again? I said, yeah, let's give it a shot. And I, I almost said, let's read it and then decide. But we figured, that's eh, great. We're going to go for it. It is a one-shot, 
a one shot that does hinge on a lot of things that happened before. If, if you weren't reading up until this point, this is not a jumping on point in my mind because everything hinges on the stuff. Uh, Franklin losing his powers, not knowing what he's going to do. And now he's become the bad kid. You also have Reed going with Ben to kind of at, at the end of it, try to resolve this whole thing of the future that they saw through Griever, that Ben was beating the crap out of Reed. And you have other things involved as well. Bentley with Val, uh, even a, a little thing with Alicia and Nikki, the scroll kid. Uh, and on the surface, I think that it could have been good. It could have been something if maybe you didn't have to have so many of these things happen because a lot of the things happen in a very forced way and also end in a forced way. But it is the Fantastic Four. Now, what number is it? 31. Written by Dan Slott, uh, art by R.B. Silva, colors by Jesus Erbatov, letters by VCs Joe Carmagna. And I'm going to read the little synopsis here, the little recap. But by the end, did you realize it was a one shot, like as you were reading it? Like, because uh, I thought a lot of this stuff needed to kind of keep going to make more sense. And then it just says the end at the end, and we're going off to the Doom wedding. Uh, uh, did you, any ideas? Yeah, it, like- honestly, with Dan Slott, you never know. And it's it's so confusing, you know, and we've said this plenty of times. This book has its moments and then it has a very harsh fall from the high that we were always on this. Like you said, it could have been really, really awesome. There's just some things that I felt were just a little too ridiculous, a little too convoluted. And unfortunately, it didn't really pique my interest, especially when I see that next is the Doom Wedding. It's like, oh, well, I'm not even going to get any of these threads that he just introduced yeah, to, it's just there to, to conclude with. It's almost like he knows that he's been scattered and the King in Black thrown in there, all this stuff going on, that he has to remind us of these things. But the problem I have is at the end, are these resolved or aren't they? Because I get the feeling that Dan Slott thinks some of them are or aren't or what, and we won't get back to them at all. And my biggest problem with this issue is it's the Fantastic Four. I want it to be fun. At least, you know, it could be serious, but have some fun with it. And just having Ben yell, woo-hoo, is is not fun. And everything else is kind of a a downer, but also, just like you said, forced in a way and, and not making as much sense that my eyes were rolling. So much, I think my context fell out at points, but it's after helping to successfully defend the Earth against Null, the members of the extended Fantastic Four family can finally focus on themselves for a bit. Mr. Fantastic and the Thing have been troubled by a glimpse of a violent future marked by betrayal. Alicia has been helping her and Ben's adopted alien children. Nikki and Jill adapt to life on Earth, and Franklin continues to question his place within the team after the loss of the powers. And it's called self-examination. So we do get these issues a lot where... You know, everything's, you know, end of world stuff. You, you calm it down and have a little bit of character moments. But I think that what Dan Slott does, he doesn't really calm it down. He makes more troubles and more things. And really what happens at the main thing is Ben and Reed go to use the forever gate. Reed says, I've never been able to use this. This is going to be awesome. We're just going to go. Let's go to the unknown. The problem is when we get to the quote-unquote unknown, it seems to be very known by Reed. He's there to do a specific thing that really doesn't make tons of sense, but then doesn't tell Ben the rules, which completely screws him. And and by the end, Ben keeps saying, man, I wish that we would have just grabbed the fishing poles and gone fishing. 
Then Reed says later, well, I just wanted to kind of get close. That's nothing that fishing poles. Like, I'm like, which one is it, Ben? But I think the fun thing would have been to see Reed go fishing, see Reed do something Ben likes to do. Yeah, because do then something be a little bit different. more, quote unquote, normal. Normal. Or do yeah. something because you are calming. This is supposed to be the calm down deal. Now you can say, Reed never calms down. He doesn't do that. But I would have liked to have had, you know, keep the forever gate, you know, for after the Doom Wedding, or even if you're going to use it within it, whatever. But you're not giving me the cool down moment. You're giving me the let's cause a catastrophe moment. But kind of twist it around to make it a personal moment. But then at the end, Ben really saying it's not really a personal moment. And then what do you get? You get them stuck in a dimension for a month because of Bentley. Uh, but even that, like they're there. And to explain it, they go into this thought space where, you know, oh, my God, look at everything. It looks so cool. Nothing gives you any sort of, you know, idea that what this is, is if you think it, it becomes a reality. Because Ben's thinking of stuff before the big thing, and nothing's like, hey, oh my God, I was thinking of Alicia, and there she is, or hey, an ice cream cone, whatever. They're just there, and Reed, you tell them, because Reed's solving all the problems of the world here, but it doesn't really yeah, feel like it means anything, does it? No, it, it really doesn't. It was, And you're right, it's so confusing, just because, you know, any normal person would have thoughts throughout their brain, regardless. And he's talking about, oh, you know, this is all but, you know, this is kind of just boring. You know, usually when we go about these things, there's usually huge, uh-oh, and, like, things start to manifest. And he's like, oh, by the way, you shouldn't have done that because I'm creating all of this. That And, it, and he's, uh, and that's Mr. Fantastic. He's talking about all these new discoveries that he's finding. Is it really new discoveries? If you're thinking about them, you already know what they yeah. are. And that's the weird thing. It's it's almost saying that it's gonna it's solving. He's like, oh, all the I'm telling you, it's almost like you have shown up in the middle of Goodwill hunting and you have the the problem on the the board and you just because he's like all of the things that have plagued mankind are being solved right now. What does that mean? I mean, it, it almost seems like all of a sudden just uh, two that'll just pop up and oh my god, that's right, too. Because what are the problems that are being solved? Nothing. And like you said, how can this be? Because if they weren't solved, what are you doing? It's almost like now you're saying, hey, if I think of a problem, this thought space solves it. But that's not what happens with Ben. Unless you say that the problem Ben has is he's bored and wants to fight. Yes, then it does. But in a roundabout way, but with that, why isn't Reed telling Ben not to think of bad things? Because it's all just a weird setup to have a fight and it's just ridiculous by the end and not that fun because it's too confusing to be fun right it just seems so odd i I just don't i i get so irritated with dan slap because he will give you those nuggets of things that you're like oh my god that is pretty cool but then he, he avalanches them on a bunch of nonsense that, he, that aren't cool. He goes a little too far. You know, he he takes the excuse of, like, beating a dead horse. He's like, oh, that can never happen. And then he continues to do it. And, yeah, here's another rule that happens in this thought space. Oh, my God, Ben, we both have to think of this to make it happen. You have to believe in me. But yet before it was just individual thinking and stuff. And even at the one point where they see themselves in this dark future that Griever said that Ben will kill Reed for something he did, uh, 
that you don't see what it was. I mean, that's the big problem that's supposed to be solved is what caused this. They don't know it. But then at one point, Ben's just thinking of them. Re- oh, man, now I'm thinking of it. It's almost if they both have to think. It, it just it gets so convoluted in the deal too pretty much. And let's just finish the end of this little story of this you know, part of it. At the end, all this is they can't go and use the forever gate because Bentley on the sly has figured out the way to use it. You can only use it three times in a month, and he uses it twice real quick. They're trapped in here. And then what they do is they wish themselves back. That's how it ends. Oh, well, we're in this. It's it's such a MacGuffin over the top. Like, well, we have a problem caused by this, but the solution is the same thing that caused it. But we'll do this thing together. They wish another forever gate to then open up and take them home. It is ridiculous. By the end, I'm like, you really didn't want me to care about this story at all, (laughs) did you? Uh, Now, some of the other individual things in here, they're more down-to-earth level things, but the one is Nikki, the scroll, who the best part of this, and if it stopped here, I'd be like, you know what? Best part, three panels of her going over to her quote-unquote brother Joe and saying, I'm going to kill you. I was made to kill you. I hate your guts. I, but she doesn't. She actually like, and I'll do and it tomorrow. Just, just the phrasing, maybe tomorrow. If we kept getting that, like not every issue, but every once in a while, you see her fighting like, hey, this is now your brother. Are you really going to kill him? That would have been interesting. That is so, but, I love that part. And then it goes too far. You yeah. go with it because <laughs> she goes to well, talk here, to Alicia. She is is talking to Alicia, and Alicia's like, hey, you need to get ready. You need to get your brother. We're going to go sculpting. And, you know, she starts to laugh. And she's like, well, I don't need to learn how to sculpt. I'm a scroll. I've been sculpting my body forever since I've been alive. And so she makes herself basically look like Alicia. Alicia goes over, feels her face, feels her arms and everything. She's like, wow, you're just like a carbon copy. Alicia says, like, when I were to have children, I really wanted them to learn how to sculpt. It's been a part of my life, you know, ever since I'm blind and everything else. And we get a reference from, gosh, almost 10 issues ago. Nikki says, do you remember what I told you? And and she says, oh, that uh, you were, or that I was your angel. I still don't know what that means. And then we get this whole story about how Nikki was, of course, training to be a warrior and all of this other stuff. But when she was done training, she would go to, I can't remember where it was. It, they called it it's the statue the, garden. Yeah, the statue garden. It's the vaults where the scrolls kept all the aliens that they took over so they could spy. Like, and, yeah. and Alicia was one of them. Yeah. And Johnny married that one. I mean, all, you know, so that it makes sense. But, but how much of coincidence is that? I mean, really, it's, it's too convenient because she ends up saying that she sat and stared at Alicia all the time. Alicia was the thing that would calm her down, the thing that she would go to to have her quiet moments and whisper all of her sweet nothings, all of her secrets. So almost saying, like, you should know everything about me and, you know, all that because you were the only one I could talk to. And I always loved you and you were always, and now you're my mom and it's the greatest thing ever. And then Alicia's like, oh, I'll always be. And she's crying. And you're supposed to get feels for this, right? I I don't because I think, boy, how much more can you force this? I mean, seriously, that of all these things, every bit of time, all that, that it was Alicia that you ended up having Nikki go to talk to. And if it was one of those things where Joe and Nikki showed up and it was weird, 
I don't understand how they showed up. Like, what's going on? I think something's weird. Then you'd be like, it'd almost be like a stalker type thing. But no, they, they were in a combat arena in a casino. And the Fantastic Four saved them. I mean, it's a big universe. This is nonsense. It, it, it's a nice moment if it made sense in the way of not being forced, but it's just forced. It, it's just so forced. But that's just the that's the moment there. I mean, you go from there, done and done. Poor Joe. He doesn't have that connection, right? Joe's still sleeping. He he didn't realize how close he got to being sliced. Uh, but yeah, you go off then to then we see Bentley. Bentley, who seemingly is going to ask Val to be his girlfriend, say, I like you. And he's going to, but then he, he chickens out and he goes to talk about, hey, Val, I really like you or your laboratory. And it's OK. And she's there. Oh, it's my bedroom. Show that she's always working now. And, yeah, you know, I, I really like it. You know, I thought you'd have girly stuff. And she's like, no, no, no. I'm done with girly stuff. I'm done with boys. I'm done with dating. Ah, that Prince Arboro. He ended up breaking my heart too much, so the heck with that. But I should thank him because now I get a lot of experimenting done. Uh, Bentley doesn't like it. He is pissed. And I, I, the, here's the best. I think the best panel is where he's like agreeing. Yeah, uh, thanks to him. Yep, all thanks to good old Principal. As he's walking towards the Forever Gate, beep boop boop. He just uses the Forever Gate to jump to Principal's dimension, his world, and ends up. Punching him and saying, stay away from Val. There you go. And he goes back. And then he wipes the any record of him going. Problem is, is that, again, this makes sense. There's only three jumps in the Forever Gate a month. I don't know why, but that's just what we have. It has to charge up. It takes a month then to charge. And you do have Bentley going off and using these two. The problem is, I don't know that it's like really like, oh, my God, Bentley, what you don't realize it until later when they try when Reed and Ben go. So I don't even think it was like that thing, like the whole time I was like, oh, you're going to screw them in the thought place. You know, so it it didn't even play out that well for me. But I did like seeing Bentley just go off and haul off on Prince of Boro. He is a jerk. I mean, if you remember, Val went to go see him again, like, oh, my God, we have the gate. I can go see my love of my life and goes up and he's got his whole hair in there. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, what's going on? He's like, no, no, no. You, you could be in this too. I mean, come on, you know, more the merrier. And it <laughs> broke her heart and she left. So uh, it, it, it's kind of, you know, a neat little thing, but I don't know how many more times we have to go back. Hopefully this is it. Like, like Dan Slott thought we needed to have an ending for Prince of Burrow or at least set something up, but you didn't really need it. But it does show how mad Bentley is and how much he likes Val. But then it, it goes too far a bit in my mind because now you're just setting things up for later where the wizard's watching and he's watching through Bentley's eyes. All this, this whole plan. Hey, now you're going to be back in the fold. I think that you're pretty cool now. Let's get you back. And I'm like, you're going too far again. It, I, but it also shows that like Bentley isn't really Bentley. He's actually a clone. And I'm just and like, it makes it less, why? Right? Like, yeah, why? I like the idea that he's a, and it'll be one of those I didn't know, you know, this, it is really me, that sort of thing. But yeah, you're just adding on stuff. And, and maybe that's what I think this issue drives me nuts, is you're seemingly having Dan Slott say, I got a lot of loose ends. It's very similar like Avengers right now. Like, I got a lot of loose ends. Let's have a cool down issue where I kind of tie some things up, remind so The problem is you're adding more to them. You're adding too much to these and not solving the actual original threads. Even when we get to the story part with Franklin, he's pissed. He's a teen. 
He doesn't have powers. He doesn't know what he's going to do. And he goes to get in the fantastic car. Sue comes. Hey, where are you going, Franklin? You're not allowed to use that. Yeah, shut up, mother. I don't need your nonsense. I mean, he's so mean. Is this in your mind when I'm reading it? Because me and you were very angry when his powers got completely taken away. Then he also, well, I am a mutant. So, oh, no, no, you weren't a mutant. You actually pretended that and it became so because of your powers. It's just, let's just crap on Franklin over and over because now he's just a prick. He's just like that. Well, no, not only that, I'm pretty sure that before the King in Black tie-in, he started to come to terms with what he was because he was able to use the ultimate nullifier. Yeah. Well, he, and remember, he, they, they tricked, they tricked Griever and he was showing that he was smart. They even had at one point, I wish they kept it, the Iron Man armor that was a dupe, the nullifier, all that stuff that seemed like they were really working on something to get him back in the fold, get him to do some things. And then here he's just like no setup at all from any of that to just be, I'm getting out of here. I mean, it, it really is over the top because he's yelling at his mom here. A lot of his problems have been with Reed, but even so, that's his dad. But Sue has been there, and Sue, and and he's just lashing out on her. And then you have, you know, Dan Slat thinking he's clever with who gave you the authority, the DMV jerk. And then she, he goes, and the, again, this. I think that this is a microcosm of this whole run with Dan Slott because you end up having scenes. There's always something I like in the scene, but then it, it goes somewhere else and goes because I love when Johnny just comes from under the ship and he's like, hey, what's up there? And she gets scared. Oh, man, I didn't see it. Hey, and you know, that's that's what it's like for us all the time with you. And because she's going to leave, she's going to follow you like, oh, what are you going to do? Turn invisible and follow him like a stalker. And then she's like, oh, what's going on? And again, Johnny, I think, is the best part of the scene, just saying, I I was like that. Remember? I didn't know what to do. And obviously, you know, I had power, all that. But I used to like to drive around and, you know, go fast in cars and things like that. That's He's just blowing off some steam. But maybe we can look into something to help him. I like that part. Like, that part's really good. The part with Franklin, like, suck it off, I'm out of here. Like, just over the top, just... It's like Dan Slott really wants, like, he's going to do something, I think, with Franklin that he thinks that he has to set up this crap so that we applaud him later. Oh, my God. Thank God. You, you, and it just it isn't working for me. Um, but, yeah, once Reed and Ben figure out that we can wish anything true in this dimension and get out of there, which pretty much makes uh, you want to talk about the ultimate nullifier. That's the scene nullifier because it meant nothing. Now, you just ended up wish machine out. They come back and they're trying to think about what to do with Franklin. They're thinking about the different psychologists. I like, hey, what about Doc Sampson? Yeah, it doesn't feel right for this. But they end up with trauma. Trauma, a uh, Terrence Ward, a guy who goes by the codename trauma and can end up morphing into anything, your worst fear, whatever, so you can face it. And Franklin does go. He's a little pissed off about it. He seems sad. Uh, And when you end up having this, okay, bring it on. I know what you're going to do because I'm going to give you the worst fear that you have, whatever the thing that you think is affecting you and being the worst thing. And he's like, oh, what is it, the Griever, a symbiote, Mephisto, whatever. And no, no, it's himself. And you kind of could see that coming. It is a little trope. But Franklin actually sees it. And Franklin realizes, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. And they sit down and then it says the end. And that's the part that pisses me off there because you had some good things here. 
but it's it's just lost in a lot of nonsense, a lot of extraneous info that I think Dan Slott thinks is fun. I didn't have much fun with this issue. It was a bit of a slog to get through. I think that maybe center on a couple things that are the most important things and just move on. But don't end up adding extra things to that. You don't need to go in a thought space to get this Griever stuff with Ben and Reed and then not resolve it and then just have to wish your way. It just... I don't know. Overall, I'm a six. What, what do you think? I, I, I'm I actually going to be a little bit lower than you. I'm going to give really? it a five-five. Yeah, just because recently um, with Fantastic Four, I feel like a lot of these story arcs, of course, they're all writing for the trade. I feel like a lot of them end with a MacGuffin just to move on to the next story. And I want them to legitimately have a conclusion so that way we can move on and don't have to worry about these small little instances that he's like leaving these nuggets because we never know if those are ever going to be picked up yeah, again. Yeah, we don't, especially with Dan Slott. And just think, in, in my mind, and I mentioned the Avengers before, the idea of Franklin sitting down, all right, who am I going to, oh, it's me? You're right. That is the person that I think is the most evil. Let's talk the end. It reminds me of, Okay, blades off with the Draculas. I mean, it, it just reminds me of that sort of thing. We end an issue with not an ending, but a beginning somewhere else that we may never get. And yeah, it, it throws me off. It really throws me off. I'm going to be positive though. Six out of ten, six out of ten is positive. I will say. Us. I will say. I will say the the one positive and the one constant that we always say about this book is that it has great art. Yeah, the colors really pop. I think for the most part, a lot of my score is art. Okay. So, yeah, that that's even more shade. Holy <laughs> moly. A five, five, and like five is art. There you go. Uh, so that's crazy. But like I said, I'm trying to be positive, and it is art with that. But there's those little tiny things. I love the part where Nikki is over Joe. I'm going to kill you. I'm gonna, ah, maybe tomorrow. And you get like, that's the that is like you, you don't want her to wake up and like, oh, I know that we're mortal enemies and we are fighting an arena. Mwah, kiss him on the forehead. I hope you have. An-. No, it's the conflict. Like you said, that it is so against her to like this Cree kid. But yet she does because it, it even deeper goes with the whole idea of a lot of the racism and a lot of prejudice comes from not being around. That other person listening to things that people say that are nonsense, lies, that you know, that sort of thing. Once you end up being able to mingle and meet and whatever, you realize, hey, we're all the same. And they really are the same because they were both raised to kill each other and stuff like that. So you have and I thought that was really good. I like Johnny popping up from underneath. I'd like you know, certain little things. I like the idea that Ben, I, just the idea where Bentley, if it was just him coming in, hey, I like you, your, your whatever it's your, I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know. And he just leaves. I didn't really need him to go and punch Prince of Boro, uh, though I guess some people would like that. But I just like that he was trying. And even when he goes into that scene, I'm a, you know, I'm just one of the smartest people ever, whatever level intellect. I forget what he says, but I'm going to go in. You know, I have fought gods, all this, and he can't come to say I like you to a girl That's really cool That's a, that's a down moment where you, you forget that these Are kids and yet Then you have to go and have them go through the forever game Punch of Prince and It just gets too far away from it One of the, one of the biggest uh, Conflicts that I have with this book Is that Dan Slott thinks that every issue Needs to be bombastic It yeah, needs to be yeah, huge I think that he does think and that. You're right. There's no room for me to breathe When it comes to these books And that's 
in a, a book like a Fantastic Four, this happens a lot in books like a Justice League, uh, where you you know, or the Avengers, where everything yeah. is just it's always the end of the world, end of the world, end of the world, and and at the you get desensitized to it. Oh, here we go, end of the world again. And so you need these issues. You need, and like I said, this one I like if he did it a little better because you need to be reminded that half of the people in this book are kids. I mean, even alien kids, like, and you don't really get the fun or whatever. Uh, but I'm telling you, I would have loved to have seen Ben with the fishing cap on and Reed trying to figure out some doodad to make him catch the fish better. Like, it would have been great. But now they're in the thought space. And don't tell Ben that. And then that screws you. But we're going to move to the next book. I told you before, we're not going to talk a lot about that Fantastic Four. And nobody ever believes me when I say this stuff to them when we're going to record <laughs> because I, you know it's not true. But this book, Beta Ray Bill, where the heck did this come from? Because this is, again, a, a mini series that, in my mind, it is as cool and exciting as when I first jumped onto the Marvel stuff for the Fresh Start, Fresh Start, uh, was the Cosmic Ghost Rider where it was one of those where I just I didn't know a ton about the character. I go in and I'm having such a ball with it because it gives you more than just relying on Beta Ray Bill or Cosmic Ghost Rider. And you, you end up getting into the personal deal. And this issue, I told you, I sent you a message. You're going to have to talk me down from possibly a 10 out of 10. Well, I, I think I could get a little, but I'm going to be very positive. I think it's great. And it even ties in very well with that. Sif being such a jerk And that first issue we were so angry Now we see that There was a bit of a, a weird cuckold Situation and it made me laugh There are gems of Characters in this book that come out of Nowhere and I mean out of nowhere uh, But it is Beta Ray Bill number two Part two of five uh, Argent Star is the name uh, Written and art by Daniel Warren Johnson colors by Mike Spicer Letters by VCs Joe Sabino and if you If you question Somehow you, you don't think that this book is good Or you don't think people are excited about it Go to the letters page This is the second issue And they couldn't even print all the letters They ended up saying in the thing That they ended up starting to get letters The minute that it hit the shelves People were writing in You have books that I go through And I get sad I, I will tell you There's things that I care and don't care about but one of the things that makes me sad is when people put something out there and then nobody pays attention. It's like we have a, a farmer's market and it breaks my heart. So, so I tell this to Eric and he laughs at me all the time. You go through this farmer's market and you always see a couple of these stalls where there's a family there and nobody goes there. And it breaks my heart. But, but I'm too nervous around people to actually go and talk to them and, and make them feel better. So I just get sad. But I think like these people have put everything out there. And then nobody. And so you see some of these books where you're at issue seven. There's never been a letters page and they're begging at the end. Please send in letters. We really need it. This book has letters in it already because it was so good. And it's ridiculously good out. To help protect his people, the Corvidites from Surtur, the fire god Beta Ray Bill was transformed into a powerful horse like cyborg. When he first encountered Thor, Bill surprised everyone by being able to lift Molnir, earning him the respect of all Father Odin, who made Bill his own hammer, Stormbreaker. Odin's enchantment let Bill revert to his humanoid form whenever he struck the hammer on the ground. Thor has since become the Allfather of Asgard, and recently, during a disagreement with Bill, Thor shattered Stormbreaker. The two friends made amends, and Thor asked Bill to become Asgard's master of war. After Thor upstaged Bill in defending Asgard from the King in Black, 
And after a romantic evening with Lady Sith, the guardian of the frost, ended abruptly due to Bill's inability to change back to his humanoid form, Bill decided to take the stars in search of Odin and a new hammer. I'm back to a 10. Because I didn't realize later <laughs> when Odin says you should take the Bifrost and you have them. Whoa, don't go there, buddy. Uh, I didn't realize that that was fully tied in with Seth. When I read that, then I'm realizing, <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. It makes me laugh. Uh, but, yeah, you have Beta Ray Bill going off to get his beautiful self back. We laughed at that concept, but it makes sense. He's upset. And I think that you, this issue, it goes a little beyond just uh, I want to bed down Seth. Right. It's the I'm sick of looking like you're just a horror. I want to just at least go through life without people being upset. And even in this, his looks start a bar fight. It's just the worst thing for him. And just to show that he's a loner at this point, he legitimately has pulled up the ping pong table so he can play solo. One of the most upsetting and lonely things you can ever do. And I've done it. I've done that. And I've gone and played tennis by just going to the tennis court and bouncing the ball off a wall there at the tennis court, wishing I had a friend to play. But yeah, he's doing this and they're trying to find Odin. They're, they're trying to find where he is. They, they have no idea. They, nobody knows where he is. We kind of do because he does end up pretty much in that bar seemingly like he was with when uh, in the Thor book when Jane went to get him. It's just not known. He's on the down low. There's an alert that there's somebody, a form in the ship, in Scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt's like, we have a life form. Now, with that, you can kind of, you know, I don't know. You can like this for the fun of it or you can get upset because there's at least 17 life forms in the ship, including Daniel Warren Johnson himself. You have the Marvel editorial staff, what appears to, I said, uh, the whole deal, Murder Falcon. Uh, but it's kind of like the fun cross-section of the ship where you're going. Uh, the art is one of those. If, if you Once you get used to his art style, it's, it's incredible. I love it in a way that I don't normally like this art style. Um, but he goes to find out who the hell is in the ship. And you tell everybody, you go from here, who's in the ship. I was not expecting this character whatsoever. Um, it ends up being Scourge. And I can't remember where. I'm sure majority of people listening to this are yelling at the podcast right now. I can't remember where Scourge had died. But he, because uh, even Beta Rebill is really confused as of why he's there, I he says, I thought you died. He's like, well, I did, actually. I went to Valhalla, and it was boring because they didn't have any guns. They had plenty of weapons. They had swords. They had axes. They had a beautiful armory. But heaven isn't heaven without guns. Yeah. And you know what I think is kind of funny with this, too, <laughs> is the idea. I mean, it, it's kind of a, a long stretch, but. Yeah, Beta Ray Bill is going around looking for a weapon because he doesn't have his. And then you end up having Scourge was pissed because they didn't have the type he like. Everybody's worried about these weapons. But just the idea, they don't have guns. And and the art, and he is pained by them not having guns. I mean, this thing, and he's yelling, and he's very emotional. He screams through this whole deal. And I, I actually like where he's talking to Beta Ray Bill about this. He's like, there's no guns. And then he went, nah, don't say to me. Hey, Scourge, there's a lot of, I love how he's telling this story where he's going and he's counting and each panel is hilarious. Every time Scourge is on the panel, he's hilarious. He is complete, like, as he's counting down, you can see how mad he is. Swords, knives, bows, he's counting on his fingers. And so he decided that, uh, yeah, he went to the Valkyries. Listen, I don't like this. Can I, can I go off and see my buddy? Because 
he was watching when Beta Ray Bill got turned down by Sith. He was in the room. He actually went to see what was going on with, man, I'm going to check in with Beta Ray. Oh, no. And he says he was a ghost. And he went in and saw that. And then he's like, I witnessed your reach. And this is what makes everything that happened last issue with Sif and us being angry. It's worth it because he hugs Vader and Bill. Brother, my soul cried out for you. And I demanded the boundaries. <laughs> he's like, he did it because in his mind at this point, it looks as if he needed to go and give Vader and Bill a hug. But also, let's get you laid, pal. I'm going to be. And he says, I'm going to be. What do you call it? Oh, yes. Wingman. I'm the wingman. And they're going to go off together. And they're going to fight. He's on a quest. And you have Beta Ray Bill. I don't need a warrior. I'm just looking for answers. I'm going to find Odin. Le- oh, well, I know where he is. See? Useful. And he's giving him the point. Every time he's on it, it's it's hilarious. Just the nonsense that he goes through. Because, yeah, they go off to the bar. And they, they you know. Oh, so Scourge doesn't just open the door. And it's like one of those old-time Western doors, the two-door things. He kicks it open and walks in and just starts screaming. About I need this, my wingman here, we both need beers, all that. And then you go again from here because this is where it gets sad again because Vader Ray Bill is not a bad guy. He's a great guy, great horse face guy who scares people and he ends up scaring this woman. Yeah, uh, he is just asking where Odin is. Of course, that's their mission. He's like, hey, excuse me, have you seen? And she freaks out, of course, at his face. And this big biker dude. Uh, kind of a lobo looking guy, uh, says, what are you doing scaring my date? He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't meaning to. And then everybody just starts to fight. Um, the one who really starts it though <laughs> is Scourge. He's like, how dare you? And he is the best wingman. I would have Scourge on my side. I, I love how he's over the top oh, in this so issue. Over the so top. over the top. The guy says, I don't want to hear it, horse face, because Bill's like, I wasn't trying to. And Scourge punches him and then yells, that's my wingman you're talking about. He's a glorious man. And as what if he looks like a horse? He is the most beautiful horse. And they and then he's getting hit in the back of the head with a bat with nails on it. And then the, everybody in the spar, there's a ton of guys. Let's get them, boys. Scourge says, oh, I miss this. And they just start beating. the. Everybody's getting the crap beat out of him. I mean, Beta Ray Bill's getting the crap beat on him, and he's beating the crap. And everybody is just fighting until you get to the deal where this guy is literally going to carve Beta Ray Bill's face off. And out of nowhere, again, this is awesome. And I'm like, this is the greatest. Out of nowhere, somebody comes roundhouses this guy to say Beta Ray Bill, and it's Pip. Pip, who, if you remember, when they went to the party after the whole, you know, King and Black nonsense and Thor was there living it up and Beta Ray Bill was on the side. Pip came up and said, you're an inspiration to me. I, I think that you're the greatest. And Beta Ray Bill blew him off a hundred percent, whatever, Pip, and left. And I even said then, you don't want Pip to be the." And it was played off as that's how low Beta Ray Bill is at this point. Pip is his only fan to twist it around here where Pip saves his face at least. And then what are you doing here? He says, I said you're an inspiration. I saw you leave an escort. I followed you. So here's Pip. He's involved too. And then Scourge, who looks like he is, I, I don't even know what he looks like. He is crazed. He, he is hyped up. Oh, my God. Pip, greetings, my friend, as he has <laughs> the one guy by the neck and all these other guys just slams him. He is so excited. It gets stopped. Odin shows up. Odin is there. 
Odin has been making beer in the back room. They said he's coming up with a keg. Says, hey, I told you these biker punks weren't allowed. The bartender says, oh, it wasn't them. It was these three jerks who did it. And you just, it's so funny because it's like that scene, like if you were in school and all this destruction happens. And at the end, you're just standing there as the principal comes in and you know you're in trouble because it's Beta Ray Bill, Pip, and Scourge. Scourge is not looking like he's upset at all. He seems very pleased with himself, but they end up, they're not in trouble, obviously, but Odin. Is going to talk to them. They're drinking the beer. Also, what, what the heck is Scourge doing with this beer? I don't know how he's drinking this thing. He's like trying to suck it completely out of the bottle without tipping it, I think. Uh, he's just crazy. Also, Pip's little head is the only thing that comes up there, makes me laugh. But they're talking about, you know, it's like, hey, I, I just kind of hang out here. I make beer in the back. I, but he, you know, Scourge, or Scourge, actually, Beta Ray Bill says, I need a new hammer. You know, I need the hammer. And this is where we thought was going to happen. It's not the hammer that gives him the ability to change back to his Corbinite form. It is the spell that was put on it. It's the enchantment on it that was done by Odin, and he can't do that anymore. He's not big enough. Now, the only thing that will take me back almost in in a bit, and it doesn't do much, is when you end up having Odin describing the weapons that the dwarves make. Oh, they're legendary nearly unbreakable i'm like yeah if i was if i was Peter bill I'm like yeah more than nearly mine got broken jerk and but i love that odin tries to pull it back and like listen you're beautiful on the inside and i think he and means that's, it, right? that's when beta was like <laughs> no he's so don't mad. even start with that stuff uh, he probably was having sif freaking flashbacks oh, there PTSD. Yeah. He's like, my inside isn't getting action. I, I just love it, though. That it, And I love it's just not, hey, you're beautiful on the inside. It's a roundabout way. He's like, I know this is a little comfort, but I've known you a long time, Bill. And, you know, I, you're, your beauty shines from the inside. Shut it. I don't want to hear it. Spare. He ends up smashing that bottle of beer and just like, I don't want to hear it. And is And this is the thing with this. There is humor galore in this issue. But when it does get down to the nitty gritty, there are some really good character moments and things that make total sense and make you feel for these characters because Bill is 100% right. I have served you and your stupid son without ever once asking for anything, nothing. And what I'm asking for now is to replace the hammer that your son broke. This is not crazy. And it's one of those things where there is one other way. And there always is, right? But the other way is pretty cool. Crappy. Yeah, you have to go get the Twilight Blade of the Demon Fire Guard Sator and Molfasheim. I hate the, the names where I always get them up. <laughs> but, you know, it is in the worst of the worst places. This is the worst of the realm. All these things going. And it is the sword that was what destroyed, you know, Beta Ray. It's almost the, the symbol of his failure. It, he explains it even later and stuff like that. But it is. It's the symbol of his failure. But he needs that because the power that Surtur ended up grabbing out of his planet, out of all this stuff is there. And that kind of makes sense to me that it would be able to bring him back to his Corbinite form. But they got to do a lot of things to get this because there's even traps set up by Odin because he ends up using a portal to get here to Molfasheim. And he set it up if the Bifrost goes down. He set this up and also set up the whole realm that you get in, you don't get out. Nobody's right when that, you know, all these things where if things went really wrong, this is where the bad or the bad would be sent by Odin. So, you know, that there's trouble. This is like hell times 50. And, uh, I, I love 
the idea where even Scourge, he's just screaming still, how is this going to help? But we're going to go. I'm your wingman. All this stuff going. And, yeah, they go through the story, and you get the, the background a bit more, but they're going to go. At least Beta Ray Bill's going to go. They set course with it with Scuttlebutt. And he talks to Scuttlebutt, and even then has a, you know, a little bit of a, a talk with Scuttlebutt about the idea. I failed. I, I was made to save the planet. I didn't. Yeah, and, I, and it's, it's a cool deal. It's like almost like, you know, you, you fail in your hometown. And then you just run away to go to college and now you're big, but you're sad because you weren't able to save, you know, your, your home planet there. And he does feel like he's a big failure, a big, you know, pretty much somebody who's just not as good as everybody thinks. He doesn't think he deserves all that stuff. He should have just left Asgard when he got there. Pip ends up listening in. And I thought that this was the play that Pip's up to no good. Like Pip and maybe Pip's, I don't, but. You find out what the deal is because they do end up going, you know, off to, like I said, Mulfus time. I, I'm telling you, I hate it so much. You see almost like the <laughs> Guardians, and they're pretty cool. I I, I want to see more of them. They're there in case whoever comes out, they're going to slaughter. But even say to Bill, you go in here and you come out, it changes you. And if it changes you to the darkness, we will slaughter you. We're not allowed to let you out. If, if you're changed in a bad way, we are going to, you know, kill you. And, and I like this deal, too, even as this, like, last thing before they go in, where these guardians, do you understand this, Corbinite? He's like, the name's Bill, and puts on this full armor. And they're going to go. And I love this, too, because Bill says, I'm, I'm going to head off. You guys, this is your out. You don't want to get involved with this nonsense. And I'm telling you. Scourge gets so angry. Like the look on his face is he is upset. He is appalled. He is insulted. And he's like, there's no way you're my wingman. I'm going in and I'm here for you until the goal's accomplished. You know, I am there. And also, the hell is boring as hell. I don't want to go back there. So then, uh, okay, Pip, you're going to go. And Pip's like, no, I- I'm, I'm going to go in with you. And he says, well, why? I'd like it to, Bill. Why the hell are you even here? Why did you show up? And he says, you know, you think you're the only one who hates who they are on the outside. I'm a troll by definition repulsive. You desire to love yourself and so do I. So until I know how to do that, I've decided to follow you. And it's such a good moment. It's like a feels moment with Pip in in a little, his cute little astronaut suit there. And why am I getting more feels from Pip as they're about to go into hell that I did from the Fantastic Four book as a whole? That is because this is well written. That's shade. I'm going to get And Because uh, just that idea where, you know, he wants to be able to love himself. And I think that, you know, overall, he's like, if he can find it, maybe I'll see the route to do it, whatnot. And then they're like, let's go. And they're just going to, they don't know anything about what's going to happen. And then you just have Scourge just screaming. Could we here we come. Most will find, you know, I wish he said it like he, like me, can't even pronounce it. But they go in and, and the art's incredible. And the big thing you tell at the end, because things start to go a little wrong with the ship, everything's breaking down, and then they have the big reveal. Yeah, so it like as soon as they get in the porter, porter portal, sorry, and you know uh, they see that the power has gone out in Scuttlebutt, like they don't know exactly what's going on. We get like this quick glimpse of what we think might be the cause of it, and then um, when. Bill is trying to get everything back up. Uh, I think it's Scourge. It's like, uh, Bill, uh, Bill, behind you, behind you, behind you. And they turn around 
and it's scuttlebutt, but in a robotic form. Yeah, like an android form. So the AI now has a form. And uh, the only thing that worries me is that maybe that'll be the changed end. Maybe Scuttlebutt goes a little dark and then ends up getting yeah, you, slaughtered. You cannot by the make that design and be like, yeah, that's totally, that. that's totally <laughs> a good guy. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I love Scuttlebutt. At least I don't know much about it. I'm saying from here because I like the interaction with Bill and things like that. But it just seems weird that somebody seems to like that setup. If you come out darker, those guardians will kill you. Like something has to happen with that or they wouldn't have even brought it up. And I think that maybe it is going to be scuttlebutt maybe, but maybe killing scuttlebutt will then revert her back into the AI. I I don't know, but it it is a crazy ending where you have that. And again, you had a really good moment with Pip. You have scourge just fired up going on bill. And then you end with that. Like, I don't know that I expected to have some crazy cliffhanger because we had so many crazy things going on in the issue, uh, but it's fun and it's fun in not just a jokey way. It's fun and just the char- scourge being in it is like uh, that is genius. The way that scourge acts in this and how scourge just brings that over the top friendship slash humor because he's so. But then Pip's there. It's so good. It really is. I'm gonna go. 9.8 i'll go a little lower than a 10 uh i think that i'm a little more positive than you but what would you give it i'm i'm gonna go up from what i told you earlier i am gonna go to 9.5 um because this is so good i'm really excited about this new sword i'm excited to see what exactly it's gonna be able to do we were kind of teased this beforehand um i i can't remember who posted it in the slack but they were like oh my god beta's getting a sword and there's a cover I'm guessing it's for like a June or July solicit. Um, so the reveal was already there, but I'm really excited about this. Um, you know, I, I'm glad that Beta Ray Bill is actually like standing up for himself, not getting all this nonsense of, you know, it's it's the beauty on the inside that truly counts and all of that. <laughs> and, you know, the, the little Easter eggs in the Scuttlebutt ship was really fun. Um, the, the long boxes at the bottom of the ship, uh, Murder Falcon being in there also. Um, so I, I, and, and Scourge just made me laugh so many times. Uh, so I will give it a 9.5. Yeah, I'm going 9.8. And you even have two. I just, I guess Daniel Warren Johnson might be a Red Sox fan. He has a big Red Sox banner on the ship. I don't know that Beta Ray Bill is a huge Red Sox fan, but uh, you know, you have those fun things and they're an arcade with with pinball machines too, which is crazy. But uh and a toilet. There's a couple toilets in here. But yeah, I, I really like it. And in fact I loved it. It's one of my favorite books right now, especially a mini series. And I always like to have those mini series that you can enjoy for that little bit. And you get sad at the end that it's only five issues. But most of the time when they're really good, you're like, well at least it didn't hang around to be bad. It's still great, and it'll always be. So I think that people should check this out. I told Ruben uh, just this morning. I asked him if he was reading. He said no. I told him to check it out. But that is our section there. And as we always do, Clay, tell everybody where they can find you. All right. Well, I actually added two more shows to the listing. Um, So I will say I have to take a deep breath on this one. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Fanboy Clay. Go to the link tree where you can find all of my shows, including uh, starting on Mondays. You can find me on the Creator Spotlights over at the uh, World's Finest True Believers. We just recently talked to Matthew Groom over his Kickstarter uh, Inferno Girl Red. Um, 
Really looking forward to that book. We talked a little bit about the Ultraman stuff he's doing at Marvel. We talked a little bit about Self-Made, which is his image book. So go check that out on Tuesdays. Today, um, we, of course, do this podcast, the Weird Science Marvel podcast. I'm also a part of the Comic Book Legion podcast. Uh, I'm also a part of the DC Alliance, which is a part of the Geek Ultimate Alliance Network. I am the uh, brand new uh, co-host for that, and that is permanent from now on. And then I also have a spotlight on the DC uh, Weird Science DC podcast. Uh, Started doing the digital first books. Uh, Last week we did the Infinite Frontier Secret Files. Um, I thought I legitimately thought it was the actual infinite frontier book but that is not digital first it's only the uh yeah the secret files secret files yep so there's that i'm still trying to look at what digital first book this week i'm going to be able to do uh and then of course there is the batman news weekly podcast and the ranger alliance podcast over at the geek ultimate alliance network yeah and everybody go to the link tree and and you'll get all that because that's a ton (laughs) (laughs) It's done, Uh, but all of them good So yes, thanks Clay for joining me Here, and I'm going to go off Again, as we always say Who knows if Brandon and his awful internet Will be available uh, Possibly, but we'll go off to something Right now I've got a line it was Sunday night, wrote up my notes to get the feeling right. Brandon had messaged me, he's drinking at his friends, but that was at quarter to three. And that's about the time the jerk passed out on me. He lives in Buffalo, I could not see. I guess it's just beyond the weekend show. Way up there in Buffalo, it's just another Sunday night. Brandon's drunk again, Brandon's drunk again. Ah, uh, Brandon's not drunk, and hopefully neither is his internet. Maybe. I'm off uh, tomorrow, so the well, night is young. There you go. It is, <laughs> but you're not. So you better watch out. You're getting old. Uh, but hopefully your internet keeps up, and yeah. this will go on the shelf. Well, I sent you a picture of my work command center. I'm like, oh, I cannot figure this out. Oh, command center. You also sent me a little picture of your internet speed, and that, that <laughs> upload speed of 0.59 had yeah, me worried. I, uh, I think that that's the trouble. Uh, Listen, I'm telling you, there's something going on with Spectrum in Western New York because for about two weeks, all I do when I, I like uh, type search Spectrum WNY in, in Twitter is people bitching at them for uh, terrible for their- internet. Point five, not five nine, not fifty yeah. nine. Point there, I five mean, there nine. have been days I haven't even been able to get the PlayStation to log into Fortnite. I, I, I search like I did my deal then, and like my upload speed is like nine hundred. Yeah, I was embarrassed. That's like photo what? After. I was <laughs> like, embarrassed. Really? The idea, and, and that you know, at least in Buffalo, it, it considers what you had fast. Did you did you see uh, uh, it, it measures it from Toronto? That might oh, yeah. be my problem. Yeah, you're Canadian. <laughs> That's the thing. Mine's weird because I'm outside of Philadelphia. Mine measures it out of uh, New York City. Yeah, I know. Uh, I don't so quite up, they right just now, go for the biggest city. And they're, they're glancing maybe. over Philly. They're, I mean, they're yeah, Phil, that's that's why Philadelphia robot, always the, gets upset. The hitchhiking robot got uh, beat up in Philly, so they, they don't do any uh, robot type stuff there. It got beheaded in Philly. It didn't get beat up. Uh, that was the thing. That's something that, for some reason, my youngest son, Logan, 
very proud of. Very proud that that thing hitched all the way across the United States and then got destroyed when it hit. Philadelphia, that's the thing, though. Here in Philadelphia, we are ready to take on the robot apocalypse. Yes. When, when the robots start taking over, you'll see people will be yelling. For our help and Philadelphia will already have won and we'll be on the moon. Or the Boston by Dynamics robot dogs get stopped in Philly. That's where the spread. That's stops. what happens. So <laughs> take that. I mean, really. And okay. Uh, also, with the idea, I've gotten a, an argument again this past week of somebody yelling about these throwing snowballs at Santa, and I'm like, I'm I have to. I'm always on the front line of this fight because people legitimately and how I go about it now, I say. Guess when that happened And some of them may look up And if they do look it up They'll never respond Because a lot of people think That happened in the 90s Yeah You know late 90s No oh, that happened In like 60s 60s yeah. Oh really I thought Yes it was that 80s. happened in the 60s That is so far removed I'm like really And then whenever they do that I look to see what team They're a fan of Like and, and start mentioning players That were on the team Then I'm like Yeah I guess that this guy And they're like Who's that I'm like exactly You don't re- even remember guys On your team from then Stop it And then they usually do Or they call me a jerk But yeah. that's how it is Yeah see Philly Philly tries to not acknowledge it We throw dildos on the field up here yeah, And really. we take full credit for That's it. sexy <laughs> I'm telling you the, the Philly fans It doesn't matter It's just It's so tiresome now To hear that now For what is 60 odd years since it happened that that's the problem and when it happened it was because supposedly there's a couple stories they they ended up grabbing a guy out of the stands and he was drunk and he was running around and that just made it so and you'll like one of the parts of the story i don't know why again i'm I'm yelling about this story but one of the things is that the owner at that point was spending no money and they were pissed we don't even get a real sand start throwing but also the eagles were the worst team that year they were horrible but then they won the last couple games that ended up making them have the second pick of the draft. The first pick was Buffalo, and they got O.J. Simpson. I don't care what happened since then. That was huge. I mean, you got the O.J. that hadn't maybe yeah, murdered anybody yet, right. right? So you ended up, but that's why the, he didn't go to the Eagles, because they ended up at the last second winning some games. when they. So they were just, they were fed up. But there you go. Throwing. Set. Now, if you start talking about throwing quarters at Jimmy Johnson, or applauding Michael Irvin, who might have been crippled as he laid on the AstroTurf. Now we got some issues that I can't defend. But uh, all of that stuff that, you know, null and void here, because we're here to talk comic books, not football. It's not even football season, Brandon. How dare you? You sit there with your football. It's always football get, season. Get, get me all excited. Uh, I That's the only thing that me and my son Rafe talk about. He sends me messages. I don't even talk to him in, in person. He sends me messages. From the, the second floor about football stuff, but we're here to talk about Modoc. Modoc Head Games, a mini series that surprised me because I forgot that it was four issues. And that is a anomaly at Marvel. Yeah, you don't really normally is. have that, right? So it's a weird one. Yeah, it was weird. And and so as it got to the end, I'm like, all right, this is gonna be an ex- oh, wait a minute. <laughs> That's it. I thought that this was setting up a huge fight. But like almost like Modoc kills the Marvel universe yeah. just for one issue. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen. But Modoc Head Games number four is written by Jordan Blum and Pat Oswald. Art by Scott Hepburn, Carlos Lopez on colors, and cover artist Cully Hanner. Letters, VCs, Travis Lanham. They, they threw that in there and, and snuck it in on me. Angling to knock off her arrival to control of AIM, Monica Rapacini hired Gwen Poole to assassinate Modoc, and the men of mercenaries succeeded. 
However, Gwen Poole's celebration was short-lived as she was confronted by images of Modoc's family, the same one that everyone keeps claiming can't exist, including Modoc himself. Breaking through the fourth wall, as she does, Gwen Poole was able to prevent Modoc's death and has helped them track down the house in the suburbs where all of his memories seem to be centered. Following the lead, Modoc traveled to Butterville, Ohio, only to discover his father. And with this, you have a final issue that kind of pushes aside all of that. Like, you know, Monica, this whole thing, like, you don't really get a great rev- resolution to a lot of this, this mini. But you have fun with Modoc and the idea that he had this, you know, memories of this family. He was fritzing out. He needed to be, you know, reprogrammed or at least reset. All of this going on. You continue that with the father. Now, I will ask you, and I think that you will agree with me. Does it not seem like the last one that we talked and reviewed was like seven years ago? Yeah, I mean, it, it does. Seemed, it does feel it? like a while ago. It, I, I, when I was reading that thing, I'm like, oh, yeah, Gwen Poole. But it was one of those cases like uh, beginning of March, end of April it type has, situation. It must be. Or yeah. maybe it even skipped. The, I don't know because it just – I don't – I can barely remember the last issue is what I'm saying. And luckily you have that recap. Because yeah, that I was the one I liked remember. the least, actually. Yeah, of, yeah, now yeah. that it's finished, issue three was kind of the dog of the yeah, series. Yeah, it was. But again, that's a lot of times you have that set up, and it did kind of swerve it off to Ohio here. And you're only going to go to Ohio if you get swerved. And so you end up there where he is there with his dad in this, you know, neighborhood type thing that we find out is a dupe. It's yeah. an aimed It's dupe. WandaVision neighborhood yeah, type it is. situation. It's everything like that Pleasantville, Truman yeah. Show, all these things going on. Uh, where his dad, remember when he showed up, he was like a beekeeper when he showed up and, and when he sees him. And the funny thing is, that's more like WandaVision, like you're saying, too, with the beekeeping that they kind of, but also with that almost an aim get up, but it's because he's beekeeping, but it is because it's an aim get up yeah, and yeah. all this stuff is a dupe where he goes in and he's like, oh, my son, you're here. Oh, man, you're you're hurting. Let me take away the pain. And he is able to. You know, say he says hummingbird birthday taxi. Boom! That ends up opening. Pulls a winter soldier on him. Yeah, Yeah, it is, and ends up being able to hit the reboot system, reboot cycle, and it does then go through pretty much his whole life. It is going, and it's kind of a neat thing of it flashing before him with a system reboot. He's a booger eater. Yeah, he's a lot of things in this, and <laughs> that's the problem is he's a booger eater that his dad, I mean, his dad seems to be very happy with him until he starts eating his boogers. Yeah, his his dad, that's where he drew the line. He's you like, oh, see my when he's looking at him, he's like, oh my God, and plus, look at that booger. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Uh, but yeah, so the whole thing is his dad yeah, there I with I think pain. he thought he pulled his brain out on that one. He's like, I need to do something here. I need to step in. He wasn't very smart. And, and so as it's rebooting, you're, you are getting a combo of new stuff, old stuff, fake stuff, because you even see the wife there. I'll tell you, the the one thing that helped me understand this spread page was the, like the reboot percentage going across, which made it easy to read, because normally I am lost trying yeah, to lost read to and go figure out. It. Yeah, the, the reboot percentage was a clever way yeah, to help me with that. As this is going, it's a pretty cool deal where it is actually – his head it is actually his head and his brain all these little sections and segments rebooting but yeah you see him as a aim janitor you see then aim grabbing him and taking. then you see his dad right like all these things going down to get to the point where his dad turned him into what he is yeah, and way. it's it's horrible i mean it really is look yeah, at him i don't, at know. One I don't point. know how quite he he shrunk his body and got his head to that size but well, good look Lord. at the one point things are going wacky at 74 <laughs> yep. percent i gave you a chance to stake your claim in the bright future 
He is half Modoc, half regular guy morphing. Yeah, he's his a teeth. monster. His teeth are overlapping and stuff. It's good. but with that, this is his dad telling him about. Hey, you know, the world needed aim. I had you, but you kind of weren't exactly the guy that I needed. You weren't exactly having a place in this whole dream. And, and in the wacky, evil idea brain of his father, I think his father really does think that he did a good thing by giving Modoc a purpose, by making him into Modoc, and also almost, well, that's how I could keep you near me, son. Like, I wanted you to join the family business. And you see, though, at a point where Modoc rebels, and the aim belongs to Modoc, and his dad just skedaddles the hell yeah. out of there. His dad runs out, but it, all of these things. Was that the first issue, or was that just a, another random moment? I thought I think I, it was just a random moment okay. at the one point, because he did end back. up, well, remember he was going against Monica, and he was trying to get the thing and they were trying to you know get rid of him he ended up messing up that heist that that That's iron right. man heist because yeah, yeah, yeah. he had said, the bad memories all the memories yeah yeah and he was having yeah, the yeah. things like okay. pop up and things i even said it reminded me a lot of the solo movie where you have the train going and it was all done and then from there they were they were trying to erase his memory maybe reboot him but also seemed to think he was obsolete and they were trying that's where the you know monica was trying to get control like you're not as good and that's where he was really going heavy into the family, you know, deal and things like that, where we find out that the whole deal was that real. Is it real? What it isn't. That is actually a program his dad put in so that when he gets put in his stasis, when they are able to put him in sleep mode, he's able to kind of not go nuts and also, you know, relax because he would have these visions of this family, which shows you that he would have a connection with them by the end if they aren't erased it seemed like maybe the stuff was when he wakes up and it gets erased or something it's a lot like the donald blake stuff in thor where it seemed like he really liked that world and then he was remembering it more it was seeping in but that's when you have to reboot him but he was able to escape it he goes to his father who's just trying to reboot him again and it just kind of sucks and then when he does he like but boom like you have this big deal where all the armor and all that and he seems to be you know, there and he's like, oh, my God, no, the memories of my family, what's going to go on? And his dad's like, oh, I, I made those up, the, you know, and, and it's funny because the wife's name's Jody. In reality, it's J-O-D-1-E or something or at least I-E, but those are it's a program like Modoc. You know, the name wasn't actually Jody. It was whatever it yeah, was spell out one in there, in an there anagram. Instead, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was just, you know, one of those things. It was just a program. And, yeah, he's like, oh, your subconscious must have manifested them some inner desire. But that's this is the worst. And you, you got to feel bad. First off, the dad's going to do like brain salad surgery here with a drill <laughs> and says, really, you thought that you had a family like who would want you? Look at you. You're a monstrosity. And he says nobody's capable of loving this. And Modoc freaks out. And ends up, I was your son, and ends up, you know, mind blasting him, which then just breaks down this house. He comes flying out, and he is going to, you realize right away that these people in the neighborhood are not real people in the neighborhood, right? Because even yeah, yeah. the baby is getting out of the stroller, cracking its Starting knuckles. walking to him. Right? Yeah. It's ready to fight. And he's like, You're going to try to do this, and you're going to try to take me down uh, by yourself. He's like, I'm not by myself. But even that, he says, a family. Loving you, you're a tool. A family like doesn't fall in love with the chainsaw. That's you're 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 awful. 
And yeah, he says to his dad, you're an imbecile. You should have stayed hidden. You're going to get the wrath of a million terahertz processors powered by vengeance. And you're all alone. And he's like, I'm not all alone because he has super adaptoids that are around this neighborhood serving as sentries. I'm telling you, a lot of this issue... It it feels very forced. It feels it, like it feels like it's a hodgepodge of other things, like taking from other stuff. It, too, it really you know? feels like, and I don't know why this would ever happen. That they're like, we don't want five issues. We we wanted maybe the timing. We wanted to end before the TV show. I don't know. This needed another issue. You needed to spend time with his father in this town to really spell out some of these things going on. It just ends, like you said, it's a hodgepodge. You just end up it happening. Now we're on the attack, and you end up having these super adaptoids. They are fighting for his father and says, you know, a, you're a faulty product. AIM is the best. All this stuff going on. Then they just drag him downtown to the supermarket. But in the mind, he's thinking of a fight with his wife, Jody, who doesn't want regular bread. Uh, you know what I mean? She, The whole idea of... Why did you get this and the bread and you forgot this? And, and it's like, why is is it him? Like, this is the manifestation of it going away. Is that like they're going to get a divorce? I, I don't know. Is it that his mind finding out that that was not real is rejecting this? So he, he's mad. I don't get it, really, yeah. because you just have that page where what what's happening? You don't give a crap anymore. <laughs> they start fighting over bread. I know. Uh, yeah, and so they end it's up. It's an argument I might have had once or twice. I don't know. <laughs> Jody wants gluten free bread. Yes. If this would happen Something to my special. house, I'd say, what am I, Rockefeller? What are we getting? What you want? The free range stuff, too? I mean, really? It's bread. If, if you have a gluten intolerance, then how about this? Skip the bread, baby. That's all I'd say. And then Tanya would be just as mad here and say that I don't give an effort. And then you know how that leads. Then I become Moda. Uh, but yeah, so. You end up where they're in this like Walmart type deal and they have all these weapons and stuff. They're trying to disable him and disassemble and things. And I think that what this is, is this whole place. This whole place is an aim deal. So this is like a hidden deal. It is kind of funny now that I look at it, that they end up having this robot kind of platform deal that you put it in that Modoc and that comes out of a couple of the freezer sections yeah, and in the grocery but it's store. Not, it's not real well spelled out what's going on here. So it is kind of a neat. It does thing. a little bit feel like they, they had to combine issue four and five into four here because there, there, it there were a couple of times I turned the page. I was like, oh, that page turn didn't exactly click for me. You know, right. It's yeah. very weird. Uh, at one point I did like the idea that when you have Modoc's dad and he's all upset and basically at one point says, you were supposed to be, you know, for computing, you changed it to K for yeah. the killing. <laughs> you were the one who was bad. Like they're, they're going back and forth. The who's the wrong yeah, who's one? The who's the who's the monster? Who's the worst piece of crap? Like you said. And so he ends up and now to solve all this because he is being reprogrammed. They have disabled all of his weapons, taken everything from him. What he ends up doing, and it's so forced. I mean, this is just as forced as maybe like the King in Black deal where oh my god all of a sudden eddie's the king of light you're right the god of light you end up where it's his cell phone they took from him and the case is made of uru metal so that it can return to the wielder so he ends up calling for his phone that then zips through and pretty much tears out everybody's heart 
as it goes through all these adaptoids and his father. And then he gets the phone. He's killed everybody in this place. It's very similar to uh, what's his name in the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, with the the whistle weapon there. Uh, But, yeah, with all this going on, though, you end up having the dad then of the mind inside his deal because he gets him. But he's got a big hole in his chest, but he hooks him up to the machine. And then we just end up having him pretty much swipe right and left or whatever to get rid of his dad, deletes him, and then decides that he's going to go and kill everybody by making super adaptoids of his family, the family that we saw, including the one that looks just like him. But by the millions, they look like, you know, little bobbleheads, and ba-boom, he's going to go and kill everybody. That is pretty much the end. And so you're left there like, what? What happened here? Uh, it, it ends so right. It ends weird. I, I actually had to ask you and clarify for my own brain before we started here. I'm like, well, what happened at the end? Yeah, there and, again? and the the funniest thing I is, I think that if you've listened to us talk about books and things like that, y- there is like the tone that you have to take when you're really not sure what the hell happened. Like, I'm not discussing the book as much as I'm trying to figure it out as I'm going through it for the fifth time. Like, is that what happens? And I, I think that it's cool, though. I like the idea that Modoc takes it back, pretty much destroys his father and what AIM people, you know, adaptoids are there because of what they did. But by the end, you then just wonder, like, okay, where's this crazy army heading off? I mean, you even have his, you know, his wife, Jody in this with morphed out arms with an axe and one has it's a like gun. I mean, every variation of Modoc through the ages he's he's created and made in the form of Jody to I wonder how she's gonna feel about this when she runs into all these different Yeah, it's, it's so crazy, right? And actually I think that the one is the daughter, the one is Jody, but then the Modoc daughter is like by a thousand. Like they they're the drones going off because if you look the I guess that's the daughter because remember he had a reg- a daughter that looked like the Monica, but then a daughter that looked like him. I like the daughter looks like him, and and when you see the big one near, she looks so happy going off to destroy things, and they're just yelling and screaming. But he just says he's he's Modoc. He never compromises. Uh, you know, he thanks to my father's machine and super adaptoid technology, I can have it all, so he can have his family. But it's a family of a million things that are just terrific. And th- but at the end, he's just going to go off seemingly to destroy the Marvel Universe because he is thinking about all the people who have screwed him. Uh, Taskmaster is like front and center here. Taskmaster is in big trouble. And what I thought was going to happen uh, was that I thought Taskmaster, he was going to do uh, like adaptoid all these guys. That, but now it's just his family. And you see him. They're going to get aim Taskmaster Monica. So I guess at the end. He just pretty much kills off everybody in AIM at that point just to regain it himself, maybe just to reset things. The weird thing is just to try to figure out why certain books happen. Like you're like, okay, that was because of this. So they have to this maybe is to reset AIM to get them, you know, back Modoc yeah. a little maybe more. I don't know how you kinda, reset does AIM. this They're make kinda, them badass though? No. I mean it makes them kind of goofy anyway. And Modoc is funny. I like them, but I like Modoc's st- kind of style and vibe a little bit. I, I don't need a Modoc like ongoing series, but if they wanted to throw one of these out once a year or something for a little Modoc adventure, I'm okay. Non comic book, this is out because of the show coming out. That that's you know pure and yeah. simple especially with pat oswald involved with writing this but the whole thing of these four issues the first two issues especially like the when he ends up going to tony 
Stark and starts like trying to team up that this is the the best thing of this was and I wish it kept going with it was some heroes and whatnot teaming up with Modok who is not used to that and always is yelling always was yelling that he was better and he was going to do this and you know all that stuff but we got away from that with the whole Gwenpool stuff and then leading into this final issue it, it kind of lost its way a bit it seemed like it was racing to the end unfortunately uh, because I like the series as, as you know what it was after the first issue i actually thought we had a hidden gem i know like we thought Me it was going to be like oh my god this is going to be our next mini series now i asked you before because of the idea that you haven't been able to actually record a whole show with me because they've always <laughs> failed this one sounds good i'm now i'm mad that we weren't talking about more uh but we will from here on out but i asked you if you had been reading uh, Beta Ray Bill. I yeah, I'll catch up on that one. Play, and it's really good. Yeah, it, you would really. I like got a few it, days so. off here. I got to uh, punch a hole in our ceiling. We got a leak mm-hmm. somewhere up there, and a uh, couple things. But I'll get. To I some thought reading that was like, like you, that, that's what you call your life, the ceiling. Yeah, like, that's not very good. Randy. <laughs> You're going to get canceled here. Uh, but with that, I I give this one a seven as an ending. I think that I give the the deal as a whole somewhere between a, a seven five and an eight, depending like a seven seven or something yeah, overall. I would go under an eight too, like overall yeah. total for yeah, the whole story. Yeah. It, like the you- ending kind of missed the mark. And like I said, issue three I didn't feel was uh, you know, great as compared to the first Oh, excuse me, I'm going to cough here. Yeah, <laughs> first yeah. two the of the first series two are really good, but um, you know, it, it was a book I I never like dreaded coming to talk about or read. I always looked forward to kind of checking out what was going on, and there was enough humor and and kind of jokes and and Modak flavor that that was just weird enough to kind of keep you interested, even though the ending wasn't the strongest. Um, you know, these, I, I I don't know. I haven't been reading too many ongoings lately, but some of the, the mini series like that black widow one, and those have been more my flavor lately. And I don't know if it's just because like, uh, you know, there's not so much to remember and follow it to me personally. I think it's just like, I'm not waiting 60 issues to, well, that's to get the a thing. tease it has to, to what I'm tighter. looking for. Yeah. It has to give you a story. I mean, if it, if it doesn't in, in the, and you know, what's a mini and they don't get, then they really don't have any business writing it. But that's, I think that's why I like it too. You kind of get in there, they get right to it. You don't, you know, I know that everybody loves, then there's certain people who love ongoing stuff like, uh, and you know, the Immortal Hulk. That's a story that's just taken forever. And I'm starting to get a little, you know, wary of it because of that. Uh, and yeah, I like these minis that you can kind of go. And then you could also throw out the, a Modoc as the lead character. You're not going to be able to sustain an ongoing, you know, book. Yeah. With just Modoc, but you can have it as a fun deal. Modoc's no like, reptile, right? No, man, <laughs> even that I think is. And that's weird, too, because I think that's like a weird amount of books for a thing, too. Uh, but, yeah, that's the thing, though. You get to have reptile or reptile, I like to call them. Uh, you wouldn't be able to have it ongoing like that. So it, it is pretty cool as long as it works there out. There are but a ton of ads for heroes. Um, yeah, yeah. Whatever heroes in here, born. too. Yeah. yeah, me and you'll be dealing with that. We'll see how that is. I'm actually kind of excited for it to see how it just, is yeah and just something quick different i don't know i'm not hating we'll on it see. yet we'll see we'll see when we start reading it but 
Uh, with that, did you give? I don't think you gave. No, a I, I'm going to give this final issue like a seven three, just under a seven five, something around there. I think the overall series like seven five, seven seven, somewhere in that yeah, range. Somewhere around there. Um, I, I liked it enough. I would say if you're kind of a fan of the Modoc flavor from Gwenpool, I, I think you'll find enough to enjoy here that you'll you'll like it. Yeah, you even see Gwenpool in in the yeah, she was when he's in getting one of them, rebooted. Quickly. She's in the one uh, there, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, that's that. So thank you, Abrando. This yes, seems to have gone well. Yeah, hopefully. Finally. Fingers crossed. Did you any? Is it any different setup? No setup. I, because I, I turned my lab. Like I'm in the back room. I was in the kitchen last week. So this is theoretically the worst of the two spots to do it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's better. Maybe the microwave was still something. You're cooking, <laughs> you know, burritos or a pizza or something. Well, because, I think yeah, everyone's also asleep, so I don't got like uh Oh, there you go. You know, because cocoa melon actually, or anything streaming yeah. on the TV. This actually is one of the better that you have been in in months. Yeah, uh, I'll check so, my speed. Yeah. I don't want to jinx it now. Yeah, that's the thing. Check it when we're done yeah, and well. see if it's different. But thank you for joining me. Yes, and sir. I'm going to go off and talk a couple issues to end the podcast. Yes, Modoc, he don't want to play them head games. He doesn't. And here I am back with uh, one book. I'm actually going to discuss by the end of the show uh, what we have planned for this week. I'm going to actually, you know, hey, what the heck? I'll tell you right now before we get to the end. Uh, I'm going to talk about Black Widow here. And that does leave a couple books that I did want to talk about, including the start of the clone saga in Miles Morales' Spider-Man. But also Silk, that ends up with the second issue. I'm going to end up coming back this Saturday night with those. We usually have a Star Wars show then, but my man Matt, who does the Star Wars show with me, will not be around. And in fact, he'll be heading to Buffalo, which is crazy, right? Buffalo. Uh, So he won't be around this week. So instead of the Darth Vader book that came out this week, I will come back. Me, myself, and I, like De La Soul, saying to talk about Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and Silk. And then next week, me and Matt will double up with the Star Wars books then. So that's the plan. But let's get into this book, which is Black Widow number 6, a book that I have really, really been enjoying. And this is a one-shot, it seems. It says part one of one, and it's weird because how it ends It kind of seems like it's a setup, but I guess it's just an interlude then to set up the next arc, whatnot. But it's kind of odd, though, right? Uh, Here is the stats. Kelly Thompson writing guest art by Raphael de la Tour. And I'll tell you right now, does a really good job of giving a Elena Casagrande look to it. It, It's not going to stick out once she comes back. Colors by Jordi Belair, letters by V.C.'s Corey Petit. 
The world's greatest super spy has a broken heart. Kidnapped and brainwashed by a cadre of her greatest enemies, Natasha Romanoff, a.k.a. the Black Widow, spent months believing she was an architect in San Francisco with a beautiful husband and perfect baby boy, her actual genetic son. Uh, Life looked good for perhaps the first time ever. When the dream dissolved, Natasha sent James and Stevie far away. You see that she does actually remember a bunch of stuff here with them. We're not even she could find them again. They are alive. They are safe, but gone forever alone again. Natasha invited Yelena Abalova to stay and help her build something new. Now the widows set out to remake themselves yet again in the heart of San Francisco. And you start off somewhere in San Francisco where it looks like a warehouse where you end up having Natasha fighting a hulk of a man, a giant of a man. She even says, oh, man, I'm fighting this giant. What ends up happening here is a cold open. We don't know how this got set up, but she's pretty much in what she says. It's like a video game. It's actually like the one Mortal Kombat game uh, back in the day, but also like a Judge Dredd movie where you end up having this giant hotel skyscraper type deal. And as she gets to each level, she's got to fight another person. She even says, this is like a video game. I got to fight these mini bosses. Let's get to the penthouse. And so she's fighting this one guy, ends up breaking both of his arms, and they're all talking crap about an apogee. Apogee is better than you. Apogee knows what you're up to, and and he's going to come out on top all the time. All these things with that. And she takes down this giant guy, and then supposedly this apogee's voice comes over like an intercom. Hey, you know, you did okay there. Uh, but you better save your energy. You still got a lot of fights to go. You still got a lot to go. As she ends up going and getting some medical supplies, ends up smashing into a pharmacy, all this stuff going on to get, like I said, get to the top. And as she's going, she sees a rubber ducky. And what does that mean? Well, that means she has a bit of a flashback to see old Stevie liking the ducky and Stevie. So cute. Even in this, it's, Done in a way that it's not a full out memory. Like it's not something that's real crisp and clear, you know, crisp and clean, no caffeine in her head. It's kind of fading in or out and whatnot. She just kind of stops and looks. And then we go back to six days ago. You go to the flashback deal where she is in a flower shop. She's buying some flowers, getting some things. She notices a girl is kind of walking too fast, paying attention to her more than the flowers, things like that. And this is a a good scene, I think, that Kelly Thompson has here because it shows you that even if it isn't a life-and-death threat, what this is is this girl's going to pick Natasha's pocket, but she is always on the, the lookout. She's always... Even if she doesn't even know it, she knows what's going on around her and knows that this girl is not really just looking around at flowers and things like that. So when the girl ends up grabbing her wallet, she says, nice try, but no, give it back. This girl takes off. She drops the wallet and takes off. And Natasha, I guess, at this point could just say, okay, no fuss, no muss, got my wallet, scared this girl, maybe she won't do it again, whatnot. But that's not Natasha. And she has high heels on, so she throws those off. She just throws them off and then chases barefoot after this girl down an alley, jumping around, and gets to her and says, man, you're pretty fast. And the girl says, eh, maybe you're slow. And this girl is like a sassy youngster. You know, she's not taking any guff, this girl, and she's really giving it back to Natasha, which is another thing that's kind of funny in this because 
I know that Black Widow has been around a long time, the character itself and whatnot, but you don't think of her as old. And she certainly wouldn't think of herself as old until you're there with what appears to be maybe a 16 or 17 year old, pretty much. Hey, old lady, get out of here. And, and Natasha's trying to figure out things. We know that Natasha is good. But this girl doesn't, and this girl doesn't trust her. It's, you know, when they used to say, don't trust anybody over 30 until everybody who said that was over 30. But, you know, she's like, hey, what's your name? Marigold. That's not your name. No crap, lady. Like, I'm going to tell you my name. So all this is going down, and she says, listen, you need to learn some lessons. And the lesson isn't like, don't steal. She's saying, I'm not going to judge you, but you got to pick your marks better. And who says that? Who says Marx? Like, I do, because I know what's going on here. I have had a really wacky, interesting life. So, yes, I do say that. Uh, but you got to do things a little smarter. And plus, what we're going to do here is I'll give you my wallet if you give me all the other wallets that you took. And this is where this girl kind of breaks down a little and says, well, you know, I don't think that that would be worth it. And I need the money. Oh, why do you need the money? Don't mind. Don't worry about it. You know, almost like says, well, he won't get the money. Like there's something that goes with this conversation that Natasha knows something's wrong. She can, you know, like she can sense somebody who's tailing her and trying to steal. Well, I think that she can sense somebody who has a hard life, maybe even abused a little stuff like that. So she's worried about this girl. That's what kind of gets her worried. Now, the best part of this is, uh, Yelena Belova shows up then with these. You drop these like she's trying to be real nonchalant. You drop these, ma'am. Oh, thanks. Plus, uh, yeah, you lost your shoes. Uh, no, no, they're not lost. I know where they are. Like, well, I hope so. And they start now. You just kind of throw out the you know deal where Yelena's trying to pretend that she doesn't know Natasha. She's here to kind of look, but you know, you end up where oh, what is this? A well dressed kidnapping? This girl says she's pretty cool. Um, and you end up having Natasha give the girl the wallet, the wallet, she's like, fine, throws all these other wallets. She does say to the girl, listen, you're probably going to like what's in the wallet that I'm going to give you a little more. Now with that, it has a tracker. Cause Yelena's like, what are you doing? Like, why would you do this? Yelena at this point probably would snap this girl's neck. Right. And she's like, you're, you're getting soft. All this. No, no, no. You know, don't worry about it because. Elena's actually going to run after because also in the deal, uh, Black Widow wants to figure out or see how this girl gets away from them. She throws things that she says, looking at the whole landscape here, there's three things that she could do. One of which is to bum rush those two, Elena and Natasha. That would be a very bad idea. And I think that she's saying that and thinking like, if this girl is so crazy, she would do that. But no, she ends up going and parkours her way out. And that's where Elena wants to go and run after. I'll go get her. No, no, no. Don't worry. You know, I just, but you gave her the wallet. You're getting too soft. It's like, perhaps, but it has a tracker. And then Elena says, to what end? And they start talking. I don't know. She seems to be reporting to somebody else. Somebody else needs this money. I think that she actually legitimately needs some help. And then that's where Elena then switches. The switch goes. And I really, really, the thing I love about this issue and the thing that I hope continues, which it should, Yelena in this book with Natasha is so good because she's got that edge, because she is, you know, a little crazy and stuff like that. So you end up having Yelena right away switch to recruiter. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's pretty talented. She moves right. Yes. 
And then, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't even think about it. We're not recruiting anything. Because even, don't even think about it. Uh, what? What am I thinking about? Recruitment. Well, kind of. And so Yelena says, I, you know, you're the Black Widow. I'm the White Widow. We need something in between. Like, we're pretty good as as we are. But you have these big plans of what you want to do. Now, we don't exactly know the big plans here yet or what they have talked about or what they're dreaming, the hopes and dreams of the deal. I've stolen my dreams. Just like that. Um, but she says your plans are ambitious and we might need some young talent. And then she says, no, no, we're, we're not going to do this to kids. I mean, look at us. You're telling me that you want to start another Red Room? And Yelena in the in the great. No, no, no. We're going to start a not red room. I, I think that she just means it's going to be an orange room is what it's going to be. But she says, how about we start our own not red room, perhaps. Now, with all this, and then we go back to the present deal where she's fighting uh, all these guys in the skyscraper deal. Um, this could end up feeling, if you're reading the DC books, could end up feeling a lot like Catwoman and the Strays. That they have an alley town and things like that uh, But even if you don't read that and You don't know anything of what I'm saying I really think that down the line Kelly Thompson could write a really good Catwoman book and I, I would really like To see this and I've been talking To people in our Slack chat when you go on the Patreon we have a Slack chat that everybody Talks and, and I was talking about How me and Double A Ron Really do like Kelly Thompson Sometimes it feels like you know we're the only ones, say, reading a Captain Marvel. This book, though, I think is a bit more, you know, mainstream. But I don't know. I don't hear anybody really talking about it. I really like it. And I really am a fan of Kelly Thompson. It's just sometimes I go a little hot and cold with the stories itself. But I really, really like this book. And Yelena in it with, with Natasha here, Becca. It's so good. Well, we go back to, like I said, the video game kind of part, the action part of this, where all of a sudden this other Hulk of a man comes down because you end up having uh, Natasha trying to get a hold of Yelena on their little earpiece. It's shorting out. It's, it, the, you know, the whole thing's gone. And she says, uh, okay, well, I'm stalling a little. I got to get going. And this other guy shows up and she's like, well, I guess that they'll come to me if I take too long. And he says, hey, lady, Apogee says you die. You like it fast or slow. She just looks at him and says, yeah, I kind of like a bit of both, but not with you. And ends up ziplining to the penultimate you know, room or level. She's right below the penthouse to get to this big deal. Now, with that, there's at least 20 guys, 30 guys that now are just running up the stairs to get to her because she skipped the levels. I mean, and she says, it's a video game. Here's the ultimate cheat code. Boom. She goes all the way up there. Well, even then she's like, okay, well, what I'll do is throw a little bomb here, a little bomb there, blow up some stairs. blow. Up. And she even says that the elevators are down so she can hear the guys even running up the stairs now. All that. It would end up like a Jackie Chan movie, for crying out loud, where you'd have like 17 of the, the hatchet guys uh, followed by 50 of the sword guys. And then she's going, but she blows up kind of the doorway and stuff like that so that she can kind of delay them she says it may not stop them but at least delay them uh but as she's doing that and looking around a a flying demon guy shows up he comes up through this and and to describe this whole deal uh a little bit better i should have already you have one of those like foyers where all the sides of the building are contained in it so it's like this big courtyard that she is in between and she's zipped up. So this guy, this demon with the wings comes flying through 
up from all this, she's going to attack or she's going to get attacked while another hulk of a man comes from behind. He even looks like he has like cybernetic implants and things like that. Well, what she does is she has one of those, and I don't know what they're called. I call the, the weapons that are like the balls on the strings. And you go and she swings them around and wraps the one guy onto the guy with the demon wings. And then just they end up crashing down below and she takes care of them. Uh, but she then has to climb up the side of the building. It's it's pretty good action, too. And the art really plays it out well, where she has to climb up because there's no direct way for her to get to this penthouse. So she climbs up using her sticky finger deal, climbs up there, and it's like an you know, electronic deal with all of her gadgets. She goes and gets to a window, puts a bomb on it, blows up the window, goes in there, throws some gas in, which they think it's actually like poison gas, but it's actually just a smokescreen type deal and then she beats the living crap out of everybody but one guy in there and she ends up electrocuting the one guy with with her bracers she ends up making it so one guy's gonna attack her with this acid breath she ducks his acid breath goes on one of the other guys she ends up throwing uh a vase at the one guy over the head it's really really cool to end up where this one last guy's there and she says you're not apogee are you he's like of course not why would he show for the likes of you and then goes with the idea it's kind of funny He says, you're nobody, and he's everything, the pinnacle, the summit, the highest possible achievement. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I I know what the word means. I I get that. That's why he called him that. All right. So what you need to do, though, is tell your boss that I'm Black Widow and San Francisco is mine and ends up badass kicking this guy out. This guy's going to Hans Gruber out of this penthouse window that is the one that she blew up already, except that then he he has – a parachute on him that ends up going that even seemingly looks like you ended up having black widow put it on him as she kicked him out so she finally tries to get a hold of yelena again all the guys are done and she's kind of cleared this whole level deal but apogee's still out there but she's like hey yelena i don't know if you can hear this but i'm gonna tell you anyway and the whole deal it's the black widow white widow uh, and she says, Apogee was never here. He's got a lot more fire- firepower than I would have ever expected for someone so new to the game. Just have to figure out where he's getting it or maybe how. Also, prepare for a spare room because right there is that girl from earlier. The girl who stole her wallet is there looking like she is at least knocked out. Hopefully, that's all it is. But, yeah, so she's going to grab her, go out, and it's really cool. It really is. It's a really, really good issue. Uh, that I just, you're only at issue six in this. There's been some delays and things like that. I would tell you right now to go into the Marvel Unlimited app. If you have the app, go in because I think that a couple of the issues will be in the app and just start reading it. It's a really, really good book. I was afraid that after we had the James and Stevie, James being her husband and Stevie the kid, I thought that we were actually going to either end the series and just call it a mini or you were going to have problems because the whole thing was she lost her memory. It was a trope that always happens in spy things and with Black Widow. It's happened before. So I was worried that it was going to be real tropey or whatnot. This actually is so much fun and so action filled that I just you have to read it. I'm going to give it a 9.3 out of 10. Got a lot of high scores uh, this week, which is cool. Uh, and then some lower ones, I guess. I'm thinking like I'm I'm trying to think of what oh yeah, it was Fantastic Four. All right. And I still like Modoc and stuff like that. But this book 
and the Beta Ray Bill. Really, really good. So we had some cool stuff. And like I said earlier, I will be back on Saturday, probably by myself. Maybe I'll try to, you know, commandeer somebody and, you know, round them up, wrestle them in and try to get them to talk a little miles and silk. So I'll have some spider books on Saturday night, kind of use that space to continue because this podcast is already very, very long. But thanks for listening to it. Thanks for getting this far. If you're still here, uh, here's the little bit of the ins and outs here go over to twitter ws marvel comics you've heard it before we'll follow you if you follow us it's a follow back policy over and over through and through also go to our website where it signs marvelcomics.com and then if you want to hear more including right away going and listening to such things as the marvels number one that came out this week or the curse of the man thing spider-man number one the steve orlando book that is picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh Crew. Beep boop as the spotlight, as the Patreon only spotlight. So thanks a lot. Hope I didn't get a little too nonsense by the end because it again it gets so late when I'm recording this stuff, and and so I hope that I make some sort of sense. But that's that. Thanks everybody, and I will talk to you in a couple of days.